Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at all the Premiership action as well as everything that's been happening in the United Rugby Championship. Plus, we'll be joined by Leicester Tigers Fijian International, Namani Nadolo. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. How's your week been, lads? Come on, Jim, let's hear it. Let's hear about the moan. What are we moaning about this week, James? Just jaded. Hire car companies, Bristol Airport, lots of travel, live show hangovers. Where should we start? Hit me. Where, what, what do you want? Do you want to peel back to the midweek live show, which was absolutely amazing, but live with us, as we know, not just me, Andrew, Andy Rowe, with all of us and everyone who went, that has taken a while to eject itself out of the system. Uh, nonetheless, very good. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. And like Becky said, probably slightly too much. I couldn't argue. It was bloody unreal. But it did not set me up well for the weekend, is all I'm saying. Good live show, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, let's discuss it then. Because obviously, I was in the doghouse on Thursday, not going to lie. I thought I got home. I thought I was reasonably quiet. I didn't really want to tell her what time I was going to be home, so I didn't really give her a time. So when I rocked in at four in the morning, she ain't happy. Four in the morning? <laughs> the boss was not happy. So yeah, I, I, I don't think I woke the kids up. I, I could have sworn I didn't wake the kids up. I slept really well the next day till about midday, but there we go. So I was, I was in the doghouse on Thursday morning, but what a night, eh, James? Yeah, it was one of them where the appetite was high. And as we know, Andrew, you're hungry most nights, but I was hungry. <laughs> I was thirsty. I was in needing to move and dance and I got a hell of a buzz. I love Flat Iron Square. It's a great place to do a live show. Do not go on, on a Wednesday and do what we did if you want to be in good fettle on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Take it easy. Drink responsibly is what I'm trying to say. So we had Big Namani there. Although he got beat on a chop-off and we can talk about that. My goodness me, can that man swallow a pint? Mm. <laughs> what a lad. But yeah, the live show didn't set me up well for the weekend. I had the big one at the weekend. It was actually a really good game, to be fair. I had Newport Gwent Dragons, friend of the show and filthy 15 captain Luke Narraway. He's the coach. <laughs> <laughs> the poor lad is the coach, but they were playing against Edinburgh and getting there was an absolute kerfuffle. You're thinking, private jet? No. Helicopter? No. Driver? No. How's about flying from Edinburgh to Bristol at eight o'clock on Saturday morning, 
picking up a hire car that isn't there from Enterprise, you absolute shithouses, <laughs> picking up a hire car that they will not let me drive because the DVLA haven't done a check. I was like, well, get the DVL to do a check. It's Jim Hamilton, one of the greatest Scotland rugby players who've ever done it. No, no, no. The DVL are closed on a Saturday. I'm like, what the hell am I meant to do a DVLA check then? And he's just pointing over there. And I feel bad because I've just lied. It wasn't Enterprise. It was Sixes or Sixth or Shits. I don't know, whatever they're called. <laughs> Enterprise actually sorted me out. And rightly so, for 350 quid to rent a car for nine hours, you think they sort any man out. So <laughs> oh, it was a bit of a kerfuffle. I didn't get a flight back to Edinburgh. I got a flight back to Glasgow the following day. But what I'm trying to say is when a man is committed to his job and committed to his trade, He's committed. I just, I've got a question. Your admin, though, James. I reckon you've got the worst admin I've ever known in my life for anyone. Who flies from Edinburgh to Bristol? Can't get a hire car that you should have booked that you haven't booked. Just get an Uber. It'd have been way cheaper than the 350 notes to Newport. Then you're flying back to Glasgow. Yeah, you live in Edinburgh. I mean, your life. Every week, I'm grateful for just, you know, having Pablo, having the nanny, and just living quite a stress-free life and just eating. I mean, your week-to-week drama is phenomenal. Well, it's life. That's what it is. But I am grateful because who knows what is around the corner? And I say that rhetorically. Who knows what's around the corner? I've got a holiday. I'm not going to say when because I don't want anyone to rob me house, but I've got a holiday soon. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen. I'll tell you now, by hook or crook, I am going on holiday with the kids, with Beck. If I don't come home, <laughs> fucking so be it. I'll stay there. I need somewhere hot. I need I need sunlight. I need sun rays. I need the biscuit to be burnt. I need my feet to be burnt. And I need to be in a pool drinking pina colada. Are you taking the kids again to Dubai? Because it didn't work out so well that for you last time, did it? Well, it didn't. No, they were projectile vomiting on the plane. But it's different now because <laughs> the, the twins can have their own seat. So I've said to Beck, because I can't fit in a normal seat, I might have to turn the other way and you might have to go that way, which is fine because you get holiday at the end of it. And <laughs> dad needs to be comfortable when he lands. All I'm saying is, by hook or by crook, I'm going. I'm leaving on a jet plane. Lads, tell me otherwise. Am I not? Andrew, you're a well-traveled man. You've been on six... You went on six holidays during lockdown. <laughs> it ain't even lockdown. And I'm questioning whether I get to go. Andrew, tell me right here, right now, what's Pablo saying? Are the doors open for travel or not? Mate, all I'm saying is, if you lived in England, I reckon you'd be all right. But listening to what Nicola Sturgeon is spouting out, I reckon you're going to lockdown, boy. And I'm sorry to all the people north of the border. You choose where you live, Jim. You live up in Scotland. I hope you get to go. I really do. But you might have to do the... Uh, can you do the... Do you reckon you've got the 10-day quarantine in a hotel with four kids and the missus in you or not? I mean, I reckon that's the worst bit. Well, I, I just have this funny feeling that I might be ill and might not be able to get on the plane home. So Beck might have to come home and just do that quarantine and... I just have to wait it out. You know, I just have to sit it out. <laughs> Goody, was your weekend after the live show as eventful as gyms or? Yeah, I mean, Thursday involved a bit of reflection, mainly on the golf course. So I had to have a think about what we got up to the night before. I couldn't remember most of it, to be fair. So um, I spent the day on the golf course on Thursday. Friday, I was up at the mighty Coventry Building Society Arena, which isn't so mighty at the minute. And Saturday and Sunday was just family days. I was actually, I gave back to the kids on Sunday, I did. Fab? No, I was over in Saracen's land, James. Your old neck of the woods. We've got some friends, one that live in Hertfordshire. And they've got two young kids. One of them is a very, very promising 10-year-old rugby player. And he looks at me as his inspiration. And I'm like, no, no, no. You need someone better to aspire to than, than, than my good self. But he plays for Hartford Rugby Club. Uh, so shout out to those boys. And they were playing over at Bishop Stortford. So took the missus and the kids over to Bishop Stortford on Sunday morning. 
to watch a bit of ruggers in the freezing cold. I've come home, the kids are coughing, the kids are real, but I'm, mate, as you know, Jim, my immune system, untouchable. Bulletproof. Yeah, we had a nice day out with some friends over in Hertfordshire on, on Sunday watching Hartford under, under 10s play Bishop Stortford under 10s. Just giving it back to the youth, Jim. That's what I do. Say giving it back, you mean sat there, probably having a kebab that's made out of Alsatian meat, no wonder your immune system is strong, with a vape in one hand and the kebab paper in the other hand. That's you giving back, is it? Yeah, it was more bacon sandwiches and cheering the lads on to victory. So um... Same thing. Before we move on and get on to the prim action, Eddie has released a book on leadership and he's had a few interesting things to say in it, including that he sent Marrow off to get acting lessons. I did say my opinions on Marrow, not knowing that listener of the podcast, Eddie Jones, was probably going to write the memoirs in which we have created over the past few years. Weird is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> An element of it true in terms of what I've said about Marrow, he isn't a natural leader, but very weird that the head coach of England, his coach, has said that. I can't work the bloke out. I find him very interesting. Like, I'd love to go out and get absolutely smashed on a Wednesday night at Flatiron Square with Eddie and <laughs> see what kind of character he is. I mean, he's a strange, but I like strange people kind of bloke. Yeah, I mean, it, well, I'll go back to some of your comments, Jim, and you contradicted yourself, surprisingly, that obviously you never do on this podcast. But I remember initially you were saying Marrow ain't a leader. He's a hell of a player. Exactly what Eddie Jones is basically saying. He's not a leader. He's, you know, he's an unbelievable player, but he's not going to captain England. He's not that captain material. And then you fast forward a couple of years and you're saying he should be British and Irish Lions captain because he was with Rock Nation and all this stuff. See Khaleesi, captain of South Africa. So you contradict yourself then. And now you're going backtracking and going, Eddie Jones, listen to me, listen to the podcast that he's not a leader. So Did I say that? Yeah, I talk absolute <laughs> drivel. But I, I said he should be captain because of what the two players stand for in terms of transcending the game of rugby and the commerciality around Marrow. So nothing to do with actual leadership and captaining on field, which is where you earn your stripes as a skipper. But he is a leader though, isn't he? To a degree. Do you know what I mean? He he captained England under 20s. He's captain uh, Saracens, the A-League. He's one of the best players of the team. He's in the leadership group. So it's not as if he's like not a leader. Like yeah. he is a leader. I'm saying in terms of like being captain of your country or being a Martin Johnson or being a Paul O'Connell. I'm a Owen Jones. Being one of these guys as a leader, Marrow doesn't fit that naturally. And that isn't because he doesn't want to be a leader or any of these reasons. I think he does. I, th I genuinely think he does. But I think what Eddie sees in Marrow is you've got a player transcending the game, like he mentioned around Marcus Smith, that he probably doesn't think fits in with what an old school rugby captain is. And maybe there's a part of me that's like that as well. So I'm split in that sense without contradicting myself. But I understand what Eddie's saying. My point being, I find it very weird that he's said that in a in a book in the lead up to Christmas to sell to sell <laughs> more books. People are naturally going right. Who's the next England captain if it's not Owen Farrell? Because Marcus Smith's on the scene now. You know, Owen Farrell does he get in the team? So people naturally go, "Well, you've got to have someone that's guaranteed to be in the team." Maratoji and people kind of look at it, and maybe it's just Eddie Jones prodding him a little bit to say, "Hey, listen, you know, you've got to a ridiculous height in terms of where you can get to as an individual player, but there's more that I can get out of you in terms of leadership and you know leading other men around you because it's not just you know, there's some players that are following me by action, and there's some players that need to inspire a team collectively, not only by their actions but also in understanding the game and the leadership roles around." that coaxing the best out of each individual player within a team environment you see where this is going though 
Andrew, don't you? You see, Eddie said that he's only going to coach England up until the World Cup. So yeah. there's obviously a couple of, couple of years until that happens. His legacy is going to be part of Mauro Otoji's story in terms of, I can see him making Mauro captain for the World Cup. And he says, I'll tell you what, I told you. I told you I'd, I'd provide England with Mauro Otoji as captain, put him through the leadership course, didn't give it him too early and almost sit back in his throne and be like, there you go, England. Here's Mauro yeah. Otoji. Like, you could see that happening almost a mile off. Well, Mauro was in action over the weekend for Saracens, who had too much for a 14-man sale, didn't they? Phil from McGuigan, I'm going to say, I've watched it back five or six times. I was going to tweet it. Did you see it, Goody? I did, yeah. And this is the thing, before we get into it, watching Byron McGuigan over the last few years is the angriest man I've seen on the rugby field. Like, he goes around acting like he's the big hard man. And I've got no doubt he could absolutely kick my head in. But you watch him game after game, he's always trying to fight people. And it's not really fighting, it's this whole wrestling tuggy and look at me, I'm well hard, when you can't do anything. Well, it was fighting at the weekend. Yeah, until you do something and your UFC judo flip, call it what you will, over Nick Tompkins. And no one touches Nick Tompkins in your eyes, do they, James? I, I, I feel for McGuigan because I think that Tompkins, who I like very much, was a bit of a shithouse. Like he's, he's celebrated in his face. I thought Nick Tompkins had a great game. And obviously McGuigan's pissed off with himself, but he's obviously annoyed with some of the stuff that's going on off the ball in terms of the jeering and stuff like that. And there was a number of Saracens players that were doing it. The Saracens away, right? Well, it seems to be, yeah. It seems to be a little bit of that. And I'm happy to call it out. I don't I don't really like it. McGuigan's obviously pissed off. And what's happened is he's grabbed Nick Tompkins, been really physical with him. The one that gets me, which I feel most harshest on, as, as he's got him and, he, and he's pinned him down, and he's flipped him the first time, as they've stood back up, Nick Azikwe's pushed McGuigan and naturally he's just kind of reacted and flipped Nick Tompkins into the side post or whatever, into the side protection. And it's almost made like it looked double, doubly worse. He's, he's lost his head. You can't do it. There's no doubt about it. But it wasn't for nothing. It wasn't as if he's just thought, I'll tell you what, I'm going out here in a fucking blaze of glory. He's been wound up. Like you just said, he, he's a hothead anyway. It's cost his team. Like it has. Yeah. I mean, I thought Sale played really, really well, and they they were in the game right up until to the end, really, to pick up something from it. But you can't do it now. But I just think yeah. there's an element of players need to be dealt with when they're tapping to the players on the head. I probably did it myself. Do you know what I mean? I was a little shit when I played. But I look at it now. Back then, you could do something about it. Do you know what I mean? You could throw an uppercut. Do you know what I mean? You could go into a ruck with two feet or four feet or whatever you want to go in. You could go in back then with two hands, two feet and a head. And two knees. Uh, yeah, and two knees at the same time. I mean, you look basically look like Blanker off uh, Street Fighter. You know when you get like, just that somersault thing. So I was going to tweet it. I didn't bother because you can't do it. But yeah, he, he's, uh, he's seen what's called is the red mist. I think on it though, and this is the thing where the ref could have dealt with it because they penalised, I think it was Sean Maitland just before that. Mm. for a similar sort of thing. And it's got to be stamped out of the game because that's what causes the reactions. What he could have done, and it's a flat-out red for Byron McGrigan for the first UFC judo throw, bang, on his head pretty much. That's a red, done. The second one is immaterial because the first one's a red anyway. And then you're dead right about Izikwi pushing him, makes it look a lot worse. But he could have done, what he could have done, stamp it out of the game, he could have given Tompkins a yellow because Tompkins ruffles his head, not very much, but screams... Big yeah, whoop, 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 whatever it was. You give him a yellow and Byron McGregor and a red, it soon gets it out of the game. So that, that's the thing. I mean, you're starting to see a little bit of that creeping in. Yeah, the celebration. And I'd, 
I always think whenever there's a scrum penalty, you see backs charging in. The forwards can't breathe after a scrum and they've won a penalty. And they get all the backs charging in and slap them on the back. I'd be like that. Just fucking give me two minutes. <laughs> I'm trying to catch my breath back. Andrew, you used to run in and pull people's tops up at the scrums. No, that was Bant, mate. That was just Bant. <laughs> yeah, I know. But Bant's the same kind of thing. So you're on your you're on all fours with your haunches. Next thing, your belly button's popped out the bottom when you've just been absolutely hosed in the scrum. <laughs> But what I should say is what I would have liked to see from it, not that we condone violence, but what would have been really good if McGuigan would have picked Tompkins up and literally thrown him like Superman straight into the Wolfpack bus, the branding and the marketing. And then, you know, and then Nick Tompkins chopped two beers, come back on a score a hat-trick. That would have been marketing. But obviously <laughs> we don't condone that. It's not responsible drinking, arguably, you could say. Outside of the read card, what do you make of both sides? Saracen's very, very good first half. You know, they're second in the league now. I thought they struggled to make top four, but my goodness me, Alex Good, who hates being called Andy Good, and he gets that a lot. He's got a little bit of a dart. We've seen him as well. He's just, he's comfortable. Proud of him, mate. I was proud of him. But what a player, wherever he plays on the pitch. And guys like him, Lozowski, I think, has been huge for Saracens. What about that line that he hit as well? My yeah. goodness me, in the yeah. second half. Billy was big. Yeah, but Billy was massive. I think now, and I like Billy. How is he not in the England squad? Oh, my God. I know. On. There's no game coming up, Jim. Give it three years. He'll be playing for Tonga. But just it was a Saracens performance, wasn't it? Like, they literally, where they left off, they looked brilliant. And Sale, Sale came with, obviously, a plan. And, they, you know, they carried hard. They carried well. The tackle rate, if, and I read a stat somewhere earlier around, I think there was four Saracens players that made 20-plus tackles in the game, which is a, a phenomenal amount. Saracens were so good at the fundamentals. Defensively, barring up, they hardly contested the breakdown until there was a one-off runner. So they were just like making the hits, fanning out. There was no one in the breakdown. I thought Sale could have gone through the guts a few times to try and get some momentum. What it boils down to is the line speed, the physicality, their kicking game, their kick receipt. Those fundamentals around the game that Saracens have based their game on for a few years were top-notch. And Sale grafted hard, actually. Obviously, the, the Byron McGregor red didn't help them. I thought Rafi Quirk came on the pod last week. Had a brilliant performance at nine. The Saracen scrum, though, absolutely dispatched the Sale scrum at times. And it was the fundamentals of the game there that were effective. And Sale made a few errors from the pressure that Saracens were putting on them. Billy makes the break. I mean, what about the seed that Billy put? 20-metre pass over the top. Doesn't break stride. Off his left hand. Yeah, an absolute touch of a pass. So, yeah, Saracens were good. I, what I'm not sure about, and I, you go back years now. Saracens started the Caterpillar Rocks, right? If you go back, do you remember that one? when Steve Borthwick was actually playing for Saracens, there was a caterpillar ruck about 10 metres long. Quote on quote, Paul Gustard said that was my point of difference, was a long leg. <laughs> okay, there you go. And that's how the, the caterpillar ruck started for the defensive team kicking. Now they've delved into the law book, haven't they? And they've pulled out this law where you can join the ruck where you're trying to charge a box kick down and then spin your ass around 90 degrees, make it look like you're offside and then put pressure on the scrum off, which apparently is quite legal. I hope it gets taken out, though, because it just looks horrific. I don't think it'll be legal much longer. It looked awful. It really <laughs> yeah. did. Jim, you would have been cheering on London Irish over the weekend against Quinns, wouldn't you, mate? Nah. Yeah. Yes. No, I like Quinns. I like the way they play rugby. But I'm, I'll be honest, hand on heart, very happy for London Irish and what they're turning into. A proper game at the weekend. And again, I'll reiterate the point, which I've just said there briefly. Fair play, London Irish, in terms of the results they've had recently. To get that draw at Saracens, yeah. they'd be extra away as well. But that big win against Harlequins and 
what more can I say is that I'm happy for them. The way that London Irish play rugby is it, they're a great team to watch. We obviously had uh, Nick Phipps on here talking about it before, after the win against Exeter. In terms of a derby match, in terms of teams in London, now that Wasps aren't there, I don't want to be horrible. I don't if, even know if Wasps can compete at that level anymore. What are you about, Jim? <laughs> oh, no, I'm being horrible. But it's good for rugby. In terms of like what we're seeing now, the quality of rugby, both in the URC, but seeing Harlequins get beat by London Irish is good for rugby, I think, because London Irish are a bloody good team with some good players. Their defence, I thought, was phenomenal. Paddy Jackson's added, whether people like it or not, he's added another dimension to that team in terms of churning out performances after performances after poor performances in terms of attack and defence. You throw a bit of the Australian magic into there and they're a proper team, well coached. Everyone looks like they love it. Of course they do. Great place to live. Great stadium, great training facilities. And we're now starting to see a team where before we were talking about relegation, you know, London Irish were in that mix with your Worcesters, your Wasps and your Newcastles. But Saracens got relegated for breaking the salary cap, Jim. So well, There you know. we go, of course they are. And London Irish aren't breaking the salary cap and they're doing wonderful things. So it was a good, you know, uh, hand on heart. It was great to see them win at the weekend just from a neutral standpoint. Well, Quinns are going to have to turn things around quickly because they've got the high-flying Leicester Tigers this weekend and we're joined by Leicester's Fijian winger, Nemani Nindolo. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Pretty good. Good to have the, the rest. I probably had a few more weeks off than some of the other boys, but um, yeah, well-deserved and uh, yeah, just just keen to get back involved, eh? Nemani, where was the fear on Thursday? Let's get it out of the way. How were you on Thursday morning <laughs> after the live show? I can tell you what. So we had the live show was great. It was awesome. And I think I probably had a bit too many beers. Uh, got home <laughs> three and then um, had to do the family day. So we had to walk around London. Oh, my. <laughs> I, I kid you not. Like every time I'd walk, I'd want to complain. But my wife was like, well, you know, you, it's your fault. And I was like, yeah, yeah fair enough. Anyway. Toughest day the next day, but hey, it was all worth it. Really enjoyed my time, and uh, yeah, it was, it was really good just to have a few beers in London. I don't think I've ever done that in the last three, four years. So yeah, it's pretty cool, mate. It was uh, it was unbelievable to have you there. And if in doubt, just blame Jim Hamilton. That's what I always do to my missus. I'm like, it was Jim's fault. Jim, Jim made me stay out. What I need to know though is obviously you were staying down in London with the missus and the the little man in a hotel room. How easy was it to sneak, like being your size, trying to sneak back into the room and not waking up the, the missus and the nipper? Oh, yeah, no, as soon as I got in, because I had some chicken as well, you know, the, the healthy one. No doubt. Oh, no doubt, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fried chicken, chicken wings. Uh, but anyway, I've got skin falls tomorrow, so we'll see how, how much damage I did. But um, yeah, no, I got in and uh, she just gave me the look and then went to bed. Luck, thankfully, I didn't wake the baby up, which is the most important thing. Went to bed at three, got up at eight. So it was uh, pretty rough. Jeez. Talk us through, it's been an enjoyable season. So what I'm trying to say, much earned, well-deserved. Yeah. Top of the league. You can have a blowout in London. Did you feel that you could have a blowout? I know Freddie Burns, friend of the show, he's been in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know if anyone follows his Instagram, Michael. He's found a wife. He's told me he's fell in love, yeah. With, with, a, with a lady who wears boots. I thought there was knee-high boots, and then apparently there's hip-high boots, apparently, that you can get. But he's fell in love, <laughs> and he's found a wife. Well-deserved break? Yeah, for sure. I think, I know this might sound cliche, but like we don't we don't really talk about the wins down, down at uh, HQ at Leicester, and... Once you get away from, you know, the bubble, you realise how much work you've done and how much, you know, effort you've put in those extras and stuff. So, you know, it was it was a bit weird because usually at this time of the year, I'd probably be away with uh, Fiji. To not go away and actually just rest the body it was pretty cool. It was all, almost like as if it was like 
you know, that you're not, you know, training as much, you're still doing, you know, some running here and there, but like you almost felt guilty because, you know, you're just like not playing. I hadn't played and been busy with the family. Didn't really have time to, you know, get away and have a few drinks. Um, had a social, little social not long ago, but like, yeah, just to get out of the rugby bubble and get down to London where, you know, it was good to have a beer. It was, uh, you know, well-earned, you know, you come back, started training today, obviously you get ready for Quinn's. I know I probably didn't eat as good, but, you know, I still trained hard, but I think the mindset of it all is pretty, you know, like I'm probably reset, recharge, and oh yeah, I just can't wait to rip in. It's pretty cool. Jeez, mate, you're a better man than me. When I had a week off, there was no thought of training whatsoever. I know you can't probably imagine that, but <laughs> you're still training in your week off, which is amazing. I'll tip the slipper to you, mate. You know, like, and just in saying that, like you, when you've got, you know, your, your defense coach, you know, doing extraordinary things, you know, outside of rugby, and then you've also got uh, another, a staff member who, a trainer, Will Finley, who's, doing marathons it actually makes you like want to work hard I don't know if that I was just saying that to one of the boys like we came in training and like these guys are running you know you know Kevin Sinfield obviously did what you know what he did for a great charity and and Will Finley who's doing it for Tommy Young so you know when you got guys like that who are not even involved you know amongst the boys it makes you want to sort of work hard so you kind of have a sense of guilt so you know I know I'm blabbering on about it but if I had my way, you know, me, I probably wouldn't be training as much. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, nice. One of the things I did see today, they're down at the training ground, uh, Lamborghini, new partner for right. Leicester Tigers. Who's got the Lambo? Who's got the freebie? There's got to be one floating around. Who's the big time dog that has taken the free Lamborghini? I, I'm not sure. I would say Freddie's been in there. Freddie's, you know, been, he was the first to follow him and they followed him back and he's been talking about Lambo. So I'd say, you know, he'd be trying to, pull some strings there but I don't know, you'd think one of those things Freddie Stewart maybe Freddie Burns did just say to me I messaged him today about it and he said oh I'm just keeping it warm for when Andre Pollard arrives but there we go <laughs> <laughs> I've heard another rumour about a fly half going to Leicester go on James go on shark I can only give you a hint a shark a South African shark or a sail shark no a shark just think Andy Rowe go on anything it's a hint it's a shark a shark what do sharks have fins Finn Russell, Finn Russell, Finn Russell. There we no, go. No, no chance. Uh, t- all right, I'm telling you now. I'm telling you really? now. This guy in the sauna today, David Lloyd, he was about 95, said a good source, mentioned Finn Russell to Leicester. But anyway. There's the Lambo link. See what I've done? I'm just joining everything together. So Piecing together, James. I hate rumours, though. I hate rumours. But it'd be, it'd be unbelievable if he went there. Uh, Namani, you touched on it. Let's talk about the hero that is Kevin Sinfield. I spoke to my mate Deeks today. He said he's got a body fat of 3%. He's an absolute warrior. I mean, you look at what he's done since he's been there in terms of the defence at Leicester and the fact that you're top of the league. But what's he like as a bloke? I think everyone, because he's not on social media, not that you can gauge a bloke on social, what he's like on social media, but do you know what I mean? He's quite a quiet guy. What's he like? Generally, he's a a generally good bloke. Like, He's never the one to sort of talk as much. Like when he walks into a room, you know, you sort of everyone goes quiet when he talks and he doesn't say much. And that's, you know, that's the thing about like good legends like himself, you know, who's done a lot in rugby league. You know, I've been watching league since I was a kid. And every time we think of, you know, Great Britain and England, you think of him. He's got time for you and he'll do and He'll take his shirt off for you. And I think, you know, what he did over the marathon, you know, the marathon for his mate. Yeah, let's face it, like that takes a lot to do, you know. And he's raised so much money. Like, you know, like today we started, we went back into training today. I mean, we was pretty um, low key, but like that, he was just, nothing happened. He just walked in, did his job and spoke to us in, in, in what he needed to say to us. But like the outside noise, he just left it there. 
And, you know, that's, it speaks volume for, for a person like himself. And like I said this earlier, I touched it earlier, you know, like I was saying, you know, when you got, when you see guys like that running and training and doing stuff like that, it actually motivates the team, the boys, like I know individuals speaking about it today. We're like, you know, we've got no excuse. Like if these guys are working hard, like what have we got? You know what I mean? We do this for a living. So it kind of drives that level as well, not only as a defense coach, but you know, what he does as well by his actions. And I guess, you know, from last year, as you guys, you know, been following us for a while since I've arrived, we've probably gone through a, a, a reef phase, I guess, or a clean out. And you're seeing that slowly starting to change. And I think, you know, people are talking about this season, talking about, oh, we're 8-0 or 9-0, whatever it is. But I think what people keep forgetting is it's the same squad that were getting 40 put on us, 50 put on us. You know, these they were young guys now, but, you know, fast forward 18 months and it's the same team, but just a bit more experience and, you know, new guys coming in. So I know this sounds cliche and you've probably heard us say it all the time, but the journey, like we're starting to reap some rewards. And, and with guys like Kev, who joined the coaching stuff, it's actually just like, boom, another level. You know, he's obviously had Steve, you had Alad there. And then now you bring in Kev and his experience. It's just like you'd run through a brick wall for him, if that, if that makes sense. And that's, and I speak that highly of, of Kev. He's just phenomenal. And I think the thing is, for, for us, Namani, we mentioned it in the live show, you know, you've got two ex-Leicester legends here and we're just so happy to see Leicester on top. I mean, one Leicester legend and Goody. Mm, did you play for the first team? I can't remember. Yeah, I played a handful of games, but it was the foundations. <laughs> you know, we'd speak about that. But I think, you know, the big thing is, the money on this podcast, we spoke about Leicester and yeah. you mentioned it there. They're a clean out, if that's the right word. Yeah. And I think rugby, especially English premiership rugby, is significantly better when you have a Leicester team that is competing like you guys, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I remember when I first came and, you know, like, this is what I'd, I was in Montpellier and I'd signed for Leicester and, you know, Steve was starting. And I remember when we first came, people like, you know, our, our own supporters were kind of like, why you've got this? I think Johnny May left. I was getting pounded. Like, you know, I had people messaging me going, he's a has-been, he's old, what's he doing? What's his, you know, and you sort of sort of question yourself as well. You're like, geez, because, you know, Leicester is a very big club in Europe, right? They're, they've been around for a long time. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing about Steve is that he bought these sort of guys. And like for me, when I'm on the right, I just want to win. As long as we play well, it's going to add to that legacy, so to speak. And so for me, like it was kind of like a, you know, when Steve bought players together, he said to us, listen, this, this team has got you know, a lot of history and a lot of stuff, but we need to make our own history, if that makes sense, by adding to it. And I think that's what sort of the mindset of some of the new guys that came in was like, right, you know, we start our journey and, you know, harping, like, like I said, I'm harping on again. But, you know, the, the, the biggest thing was trying to prove our fans wrong as well, you know, because I think they were probably used to, you know, the losing. I think there was it three, four years or a period there where they were struggling a little bit. I'm not saying, like, you know, Steve come in, brought guys in and, like, cleaned out a lot of guys. There were guys there that, you know, went pretty quickly and there was guys that left. So, you, like I said, you're seeing the, the, the effects of it. And the scary thing about it, guys, is that, these guys are only like 22, 23, some of them, you know, some of them, we had like our last week of training, we had 18 year olds coming in. You know, these guys are not even at their, you know, peak or free should who's what, 21, maybe 22. You know, he's the next big thing in, in England rugby. So, you know, it's going to be, it's exciting time for the club, especially for the young guys, but, you know, hopefully we can, you know, keep carrying and, you know, worry about this season first, but yeah. Good stuff. You mentioned Freddie Stewart then, someone that obviously you've played a hell of a lot with over the last sort of 18 months, him at fullback, you on the wing. He's obviously relied on your experience and your knowledge. 
a fair bit. Has he thanked you for helping him get on this pathway to England greatness now? And uh, you getting some of the match fees for giving him the experience along the way? Well, unfortunately not. I saw him today and, and said hello to him, and uh, yeah, it was kind of different. But I think he was just a bit nervous. I don't know. I feel I think he was a bit nervous coming in, like as if we, well, I gave him a bit of stick as you do. But yeah, I did tell him today that you know he needs to up his fashion sense. Why? Why? What do you mean? What's he wearing? Oh, no, or not wearing? No, it's not. It's just uncoordinated. I mean, maybe I'm old school. I'm jeans, polo shirt, and RMs. But honestly, to be fair, like to see him back in in, it, or you can almost see a change in Freddie, and that's what's exciting. So you know, hopefully, if I'm playing this week, he'll uh, and you know, obviously he's playing, he can help me out in the back of those eyeballs. Nemanja, you talk about the impact uh, Steve Borthwick's made at Leicester. Another coach has made a big impact. Vern Cotter at Fiji doing a hell of a job there. Does he talk about Jim much? I know you're, you're, you're close with him. Jim talks about him a lot. <laughs> Is it reciprocated? Yeah, no, we did have a conversation. I said this on Thursday, you know, because I, I, I kind of read up on, I've, you know, I've been watching the podcast and obviously Jim talks highly. Anyway, so me and Vern, I like, think we have a pretty good relationship. I mean, Trent, I just literally, you know, we spoke about Jim for a bit and he goes, or oh, something along the lines, if you know, if you want to be a good person or you want to be a good rugby player, don't be like Jim. So, <laughs> and I walked away from him and I was thinking, he must have done something wrong, old Jim. Yeah, I just, mate, I, I, I didn't want to twiddle a rabbit upside down and I'm a vegan, I'm not, but I'll just tell him I am. He's doing good things with Fiji. Just talk to us about Fiji then. There's obviously big news that's come out in the last week around this Regulation 8 or whatever it's called around residency and eligibility to play for a second team again. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Namani? I mean, I know a little bit about the information, but how it might benefit, you know, your Samoas, Tongas and Fijis. No, I think, you know, like at the start, it was probably, there's a lot of, you know, debate. But now that the rule's in, I think, you know, moving forward, it's going to benefit, you know, the, the Tier 2 nations. Obviously, Samoa and Tonga is going to benefit hugely from it because, you know, they've got, you know, All Blacks and guys playing in Australia. Fiji, I probably a little bit depend, depending because, you know, we're not short of wingers. We're not short of centres and, and back rowers, you know. So, you know, in terms of the three unions, I really think Fiji's probably, without being biased, I think Fiji's in a good place. You know, we've got the Super Rugby. We've got a good pathway and whatnot. But for what, you know, I've been reading up on it and then seeing, you know, you see on Twitter how people are making up teams and stuff and, you know, the guys that are eligible for Fiji are all outside backs. Like I said, Fiji produce, you know, our, our biggest, I think our biggest export of anything in, in Fiji is wingers and outside centers. But I think, you know, there's always going to be consequences with this. You know, I said to you guys on Thursday, I think it's going to probably going to be hard for director of rugby's like coaches, presidents of clubs over here in Europe. Because, you know, when you do sign those sort of all blacks and wallabies in the past, you know, you're going to get them for the whole season if that makes sense, you know, now that the rules change, you know, do their values drop stuff like, cause you're going to probably lose them for, is it three, four months of the year? So stuff yeah. like that, you know, there's always consequences to everything. And, you know, thankfully I'm not a president or, or a DOR, but I think they're going to have headaches when it comes to signing, you know, your big name Polynesians players who do play for the All Blacks at the moment or Wallabies. Cause now, you know, you can probably leave those countries a bit earlier and knowing that you can still play um, international rugby. So. All right, Nomani. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. And best of luck uh, with the rest of the season with the Tigers. Cheers, boys. Thanks for having me. We'll catch up soon. Cheers, Nemzi. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Nemzi. Top, top, top bloke. Yeah.
Absolute top bloke. Yeah, he had a proper ding dong on Wednesday. He was that pissed, I think, on Wednesday night. He keeps mentioning Thursday. It was Wednesday, Nemzi. <laughs> we well, it went into it went into Thursday, didn't it? Let's be honest. It went deep into Thursday as well. But yeah, what a bloke. You know, you listen to the way he speaks. Obviously, he's talking about Kevin Sinfield there and, you know, everything that these guys have been doing around. He's dead right, isn't he? If your coach is doing that and you can't get yourself up for a cold Monday morning session at Leicester, you're in the wrong job, aren't you? I, I think you've got two opposite ends of the spectrum. With my, Not to put myself in even in a room with Kevin Sinfield, but you've got two polar opposites. Imagine me giving the <laughs> team talk and him giving the team talk. Just don't be like Jim. I just don't be like Jim. That's it. I just go in there, lads. I know you're looking at me thinking you want to be like me. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> so I uh, love seeing Leicester. And that is a rumour that I've heard around the Finn, the Russell. Finn Russell. Yeah, Leicester or Munster. Paris to Leicester is a bit different, isn't it? It's the Lamborghini thing. You tied it in there. I completely forgot. I let that go. But um, Leicester doing very well. Namani, he was there at the live show. If you weren't there, you missed out. Or did you? I don't know. I can't remember, but you did miss out. You definitely missed out. What do you make of the eligibility laws about some clubs maybe exploiting them a little bit? It's interesting, isn't it? Like, I suppose the big thing, and it's something that you know, would have never happened to Jim and myself, but you kind of, I suppose it did happen to me a little bit at Breve. I signed for Breve, and there was no chance I was playing for England again at the time. And then you get picked for England, they're like, well, we didn't think you'd ever get picked again, but now you've got to be away for big chunks of the season. And it did cause a bit of animosity. For some guys, they're obviously signing, you know, I, I suppose it happens more over in France, where he mentions about presidents asking players, saying, oh, well, well, we'll give you a bit more to not play international rugby. And you have heard these rumours and stories before, haven't you? And it's tough. You know, I've got no doubt that players, you know, you look at Piertown. Piertown's value to Bristol has been phenomenal, hasn't it? He's paid a, argument's sake, he's paid a million quid a year, but he's been a phenomenal player for them. If he was playing for Tonga all that time, I guarantee you now he wouldn't be on a million quid a year. Well, look at Sene, got injured. And that's the risk as well, isn't it? You do see a lot of players come back from international duty and it's it's by chance or it's by overplaying, stress on the body, but they do pick up injuries because it's at the very top level. You're playing against the best of the best, the most physical boys, the fastest boys, the most powerful boys. You're going to get more injuries and, and it's something that clubs have to look at now and maybe there will be less opportunities for you know, Tongans and, and Fijians and you know, you know Samoans or ex-All Blacks, ex-Wallabies or whatever to come over to the Northern Hemisphere, where they do cash in a bit and they put it in. Look at John Alfoa still going. I know he's injured at the minute, but he's still cracking, you know, big game after big game involved and he's about 46 now. But there are players that give a lot of value and there are other players that don't. And this is something now where actually the clubs are going to get less value. So does it make them less attractive and, and less valuable? Well, maybe their market value drops a bit as well. Well, Saints beat Bristol at Ashton Gate. What's happened to the Bears this season, lads? Oh, Jim, what have you done to them? You basically said they weren't going to be great this year and they've, they listened to you. Well, hopefully they've not listened to me because we love Bristol. Semi is not there. He's injured. Not that they're a one-man team, but when you've got the greatest player on the planet in your team, <laughs> you're effectively a one-man team. And I say that with the utmost respect to Bristol in terms of what they've built and the style of rugby that they want to play. Bristol are unbelievable when they get on the front foot like because of the players that they've got. You do wonder around the profile of that team in terms of how reliant they are on Charles Piertau. Sione Piertau obviously left. He was huge for them. The one that I've just mentioned there is Omar Maisemi. Having him in the team, John Afoa being injured for a large part of the season. They got hosed at scrum time at the weekend mm. by Northampton. And they're in the fight right to, towards the last sort of 10 minutes. But you mentioned some of the names missing. And I'll come out with a few names later in a different team with loads of players missing. But 
you take out some of your best players and undoubtedly Carl Sinclair would make a massive difference that front row. I think Max Laheef is still in reverse from some of the scrums that he was involved in at the weekend. And I know he's playing tight head when normally I think he's a loose head, but my God, their scrum was on roller skates going backwards, wasn't it? They love their set-piece tries and tip of the slipper to the bogey monster, Sam Vesti. He loves a set-piece attack for the backs. The second try they scored directly from set-piece, George Furbanks went down the wing after Mitchell pumped the ball about four times and makes the break. Courtney Laws with a flip out the back. It was quality. And you've got to talk about Northampton. Dan Beggar comes back off international duty. Straight in, Friday night lights down at Ashton Gate. Loves it. Absolutely loves it. And there's a player, right, who you're getting absolute value for. Goes away for, with Wales, always comes back and puts in a massive shift for Northampton. Yeah, he's been a class signing for them. So, yeah, they're on the money. Tommy Freeman... Uh, scored in the first half, he was outstanding. It's more this is more about Saints for me than Bristol because Bristol have got injuries, but Saints went down there and did an absolute job at set piece, and then their attacking game was on point as well. So, yeah, Bristol's near the bottom of the league, aren't they? I think it's only Bath who have got less points than them in the league this year. So, some big questions. Wasps wouldn't be far away from them, would they? Goody, a home loss to Gloucester. What's happening, mate? Why are you being horrible? We've got loads of injuries. There's like 17 players injured, like Joe Launchbury. Palo a dog woo. Here's a question, Andrew. Go on then, son. Why are there so many injuries at Wasps? And that's not a throwaway question. That's going based on the last few years. There's always mm. loads of injuries at Wasps. Yeah, I, do you know what? It, I know they've looked at it as to why. A lot of them are sort of impact injuries. So in a contact scenario, Joe Launchbury's one when he blows his knee out. Jack Willis is one when he blows his knee out. They're just like one-off contact injuries. So they have looked at it and they've looked at exactly the way they train. Paolo Adogru does his ACL. They have looked into it. But listen, you know, first and foremost, I need to apologise to Gloucester fans. I said they're going to finish bottom of the league and I was hosting the Andy Good Suite on Friday night and I basically was asking all the lads, how many are Wasp winning by today? We do a first try scorer competition. I'm like, there's no chance Gloucester are scoring the first try. Johnny May gets the first try. Absolutely steps to Munger Allen, who was playing touch for most of the game. You can make the excuse they're missing loads of players, but the real thing is they missed loads of first up tackles. They weren't physical in defence. You know, the driving mall. Gloucester have got a driving mall till the cow sheds and back. George Skivington loves, and all I'm thinking is Jim Hamilton in his heyday for the Leicester Tigers A team on a Monday night. That is what I was seeing. Gloucester, their line-out drive was phenomenal. Billy Twelvance, he was phenomenal as well at, at inside centre. And it was a lot of errors by Wasp, but you've got to credit Gloucester. So apologies to all the Gloucester fans for saying you're going to finish bottom of the league. You're not. I meant your nearest and dearest rival was Bath. And also apologies to all the Wasp fans, because i basically given Gloucester their team talk before the game, saying now they're going to finish bottom of the league and they come and pull our pants down. Noted, but not forgiven. That's just from <laughs> the Gloucester lads. But interestingly, James, I did see Lance Bradley at the Coventry Building Society Arena at the weekend. He was in the chairman's lounge where I was hosting a Q&A. And I saw him on the table. I saw him next to Carl Hogg, who was sat there enjoying a, a bit of beef wellington. And I said, Carl Hogg, great to have you here. You know, great to see you here. And you've got some of the people from Gloucester with you as well. So I don't think Lance Bradley... <laughs> I don't think Lance Bradley likes me at all. Am I bothered? Am I bothered? So yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. But fair play to Gloucester. Uh, you know, obviously, it's very similar to what Leicester kind of went through. I'm sure we said it on here before. Get your fundamentals right. Start with your set piece, your driving line. I mean, imagine them training their driving line outs. They're doing it every day, aren't they? They've got to be because they're that good at it at the minute. And that was a, a massive point of difference. And Gloucester physically dominated Wasps. But Wasps will be back. They've got some boys back post-January. But yeah, Gloucester were good. They've found some form, haven't they? Are there signs of 
improvement from Bath at home and their loss to Exeter? Yeah, there was. Defensively, there was, yeah, 100%. Underhill was was brilliant again. And they, you know, they pushed Exeter hard. Exeter aren't playing anywhere near their potential. They just relied on a bit of power towards the end from Sam Simmons. Of course, he was going to score the winner. The thing for me is, and I hate to say this, I mean, watch Cipriani's attempt at a tackle when Sam Simmons picks off the base. And this is coming from Andrew Good. This is coming from one of the worst. I am one of the worst defensive tens to ever ever have played the game. I'm not laughing for that sake. I'm laughing the fact that what what are you meant to do against Sam Simmons? It's just one of them is like at least try and tackle him. Just as you dive into the floor, just scream mercy. <laughs> your man something but I think that that just shows the mindset of where unfortunately Cipriani is and yeah. how motivated he is in a team that's bottom of the league yeah but a lot of their boys did seem massively motivated you know they were physical they dominated large parts of the first half and the thing that they've done this review over the last few weeks haven't they Bath they got Ed Griffiths in either to try and circumnavigate the salary cap or something or do a review or whatever. And what they've come out with is we've conceded the most tries more than anyone else in the Premiership, so we need a defence coach. I mean, how much does that cost you? Surely it's common sense, isn't it? But it's who they're going to bring in as defence coach and who Edward Griffiths can bring in. That might be the the big thing. Influencer. Ed Griffiths won't have many friends around the game of rugby. I know that for a fact. I see. I don't know. I, do, I know we disagree on this. I think Edward Griffiths... Again, and you talk about a polarising person in terms of if you've worked with him and for him from a playing coaching point of view to externally outside of that, I think he's the man to turn around that club. Watch this space is all I'm saying. Yeah, I can't see how he's working with Stuart Hooper. He wants in there. He wants to be CEO of there. His reputation around the game of the way he's treated people and, and the way he's done things, the whole Saracen's salary cap scandal was based around what he did. I know he's lost a huge amount of respect from players, from agents, from around the game. So it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with or what's happened. But there doesn't seem to be some aligning of opinions around what Stuart Hooper wants as the DOR. And I don't think he wanted Ed Griffiths in there to do a review because some of the things that Hoops is saying is it's all around you know, him as a DOR and what he's doing as opposed to being told what to do by Ed Griffiths. So we'll see. Well, let's turn our attention now to the URC. And it's been a tough week for a few teams after travel restrictions were imposed as a result of the new Omicron variant of COVID. And Scarlets have made it back. They're isolating in Northern Ireland. But Cardiff and Munster are isolating in South Africa. And a couple of people have even tested positive, haven't they, guys? What do you do? What do you say? Zebra made it home as well, so there's another positive. Have Zebra made it home home, or are they in Ireland? No, they made it home to Italy. They made it home. I think the idea was to bring everyone back home on one play. And I was doing the Newport Gwent Dragons Edinburgh game at the weekend, and all the talk was around how the players were going to get home. And obviously, before you get on a plane, you've got to do PCR tests, etc., etc. You've got to work through the minefield. The big thing and the big issue around the URC was going to be this, wasn't it? The travel. Now... Just a little bit of kind of back information. The South African teams had been in a COVID bubble, travelled north to play all their games. And they're these games here that are actually now in South Africa or were meant to be in South Africa were actually meant to be played in Europe. But because everything was settling, they moved it back to South Africa. Sweet Mary. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, we know Scarlets have come back and they're now isolated in the hotel in Belfast. They've actually asked the Welsh government to say if there's any way of getting them back to Wales to be able to isolate there because of the issues around you know the health and safety of their players and preparing for a game that they're going to have in a couple of days after 
their isolation finishes. Munster have just been given clearance to come back. I think they'll be back tomorrow. So obviously Tuesday they'll be looking at heading back if their PCR testing is great and everyone's okay. But the the two guys I think that that have been tested positive from Munster, I think are going to have to stay out. Cardiff, the same thing. They're still waiting for clearance to come back. So it's yeah, it's awful. Really tough. You know, the players are I remember seeing some of the pictures last week. Boys were so happy being out in South Africa. A bit of sunshine, you know, training in the sun, shorts, t shirts. You you leave in the UK and it's one degree or minus two or wherever you live, it's bloody cold. And mm-hmm. it was a nice little pick me up for them, wasn't it? So and then unfortunately you get stuck in the, the whole travel issue and you can't think of anything worse than ten days in a you know, a, a government hotel self-isolating because you've just gone and tried to play a rugby game as part of your job. So it's brutal. You feel for the players. First and foremost, you hope everyone that tested positive is okay. And secondly, you just want them to, to get back as quickly as possible. And the knock-on effect of not only the URC games that are being cancelled, and I know the URC are changing some games so the South African teams are playing against each other this weekend, but there's no way Munster or Scarlets can play this weekend coming. Then there's Europe the next two weeks after that. Yeah, Munster are playing Wasps away in one game. You know, and the knock-on effect of that, trying to cram it into the season if those games have to be cancelled as well. And you've got to do what's right by the players. How are you playing a game two days after coming out of isolation for 10 days? Is I just don't reckon that's possible, do you, Jim? No, you're not. And that's the big thing that they've got to work through. And this is why we thought we were through it. And again, I mentioned it on Premier Sports without stating the obvious. We're, we're clearly not through this pandemic. And out of all the leagues, this is the one, isn't it? Top 14, all in France. Premiership, all in England. Europe's going to be the big one in terms of what happens in terms of travel to France, this situation that Goody mentioned. But the URC in general, as we now go into the second part of it, because they've had a five-week break, how's it going to look? Now, I ain't got a crystal ball. If I did, it'd be big. It'd probably be very hairy. <laughs> it's one of them where it's a who knows again. And we mentioned that when we were doing the podcast during lockdown before. There's a big who knows about it. But what I do know is that there were some quality games at the weekend. I mean, where do you start? Let's start with my game. Edinburgh, who I thought were going to struggle against the Dragons, because Luke Narraway convinced me, captain of the Filthy 15, that they were they were fully on. Edinburgh, it talk about a brand of ruggers, looked, I'm going to say it, they looked sensational. And they had a bonus point win down at Rodney Parade. Andrew, I don't know if you've played there, lovely spot. Great Chinese out the front. I don't know if you've been there. And a chip shop. Mate, I've played there and I've been to both the Chinese and the chip shop. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, in that sense, it's a great place to go and play, but nonetheless, a tough place. So, you know, Edinburgh had a good win. Was lucky enough to commentate on that with Shane Williams. But the headline ones are Ulster beating Leinster. Mm. What a win. They've been under a bit of pressure, Ulster, in terms of their performances. And I think you look at it and you look at the way that Leinster have been the past four or five seasons in this in the URC, what was the Pro 14, they looked unbeatable. Tell the physicality of that from Ulster. Oh my goodness me. Nick Timoney at number eight, who's in the Ireland squad as well, phenomenal. Was absolutely yeah. phenomenal in terms of physicality. Uh, James Hume as well in the centre, big listener of the podcast apparently, loves it. He was man of the match, wasn't he? Yeah, he was man of the match or player of the match, whoever you're talking to. Mailed intercepts at the end. There you go, you're enjoying the URC. Yeah, love the URC, mate, love the URC. And, and McCluskey as well, a big shout out to him. And that's the big thing is like how these Irish teams compare to everyone else. And we always speak about Leinster, we always speak about Ulster and Munster. Connor, me old lads. Mate, they absolutely hose the Ospreys. In a hurricane. Mate, imagine how windy that was. I've played there when it's people say it's a good day and it's 90 mile an hour winds. Imagine with a storm there as well, a hurricane, the lot. 
absolutely horrific. I heard one of the kicks went about, he's put the kick up and it's gone about 15 metres behind him. Can you imagine you trying to catch kickoffs in that? They're the best ones because you've got an excuse. <laughs> run to the centre of the pitch. Just run and say you thought it was going to land there. And it doesn't. It, it lands on the winger who comes off his forehead. Which you can score tries from if you saw my social media at the weekend that went viral. You're welcome, the Welsh team. But yeah, the URC, quality rugby at the weekend. So it was a pleasure to be a part of. Big shout out to Edinburgh, going down to Dragons. Huge shout out to Ulster. And fair play to Connor, who have got a friend in me, in Andy Friend at the helm, to play that kind of rugby in them conditions against the Ospreys. Uh, phenomenal. One thing you didn't mention though, James, is your other Scottish team. Yeah, don't worry about that. I mean, they lost to Benetton and last minute they effectively won though. Let's just say that. I mean, Leonardo Marin, what a drop goal again. He just he just does it to Scottish teams, doesn't he? Just luck, just luck. No, fair play to Benetton and Danny Wilson is not up here. Mass down by his throat is not up here. Should we have a look at the rumours? Anything floating around at the moment for the rumour mill? There's a few. Is there? Is there any as big as the fin or not? Your fin one is massive. And I was going to say Andre Pollard to Leicester is what I've heard. But you've heard Finn, which is even bigger potentially than Andre Pollard, is it? As a Leicester legend to another Leicester legend, who do you think would be best suited? Should I give my opinion? I rate Andre Pollard. I don't think he's as good as his CV and the price tag on him probably says. And that is a big statement. I get it. I absolutely... Get it. It's a big statement and it's only an IMO. He's a World Cup winner, mate. It's his CV, but what's his price tag? 750, huh? Yeah, possibly. It's a tough one, isn't it? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I don't think it is a tough one. Do you? I do, actually, because you've got two very different types of players. One probably suits a Steve Borthwick-minded team. In Pollard? Yeah. Can you imagine Steve Borthwick trying to say to Finn, Finn, mate, no no look passes, just, you know. Well, I suppose if you're signing Finn, you're signing Finn for, you know what you're getting even though Racing got their pants absolutely pulled down by Bordeaux at home at the weekend, which I'll come on to later. I think Andre Pollard suits Leicester more than Finn Russell, but I'd love to see Finn Russell in a Tiger shirt, chucking the ball around from his own posts. Do you know, if I was Leicester, who I'd try and sign, and I don't know whether it's even possible. Well, give, give me a hint. You've mentioned him already on this podcast. Danny Cipriani. No. Alex Good. Not Alex Good. Close. Lazowski. Alex Lazowski. As a 10? As a 10, mate. He's class. He's all at Saracens, right? And he, I know he loves the environment. I know he plays 13. I know, you know, Farrell's there and all this stuff. If I'm Leicester, I'm trying to break the... And you need to not break the bank, but you want, you want to put a big offer in. Alex Zosovsky, you're getting longevity. He's not in the England mix while Eddie Jones is there, but he's absolute class. That's who I'd go for. Any other big rumours floating around? Yeah, talking about Leicester, I've heard Ellis Genge, there's a sniff of him going to Saracens. No chance, surely not, really? Well, it all depends on the revolving door that is the Villapolas. I'm unsure whether Mako and Billy will stay. Do you know what I heard? I heard Saracens offered them less than they're on now, which, you know, maybe maybe fair, maybe true, maybe false, but that's only going to entice Billy and Mako to look for bigger money elsewhere, isn't it? And there's always the chat with Billy and Mako that they were going to go to France at some point. Clement was the big one that was always spoken about. Bordeaux's in the mix now. Do they go as a duo? Do they go as a pair? We know that their dad has a big influence on the decisions without speaking for them. I might be completely wrong, but that's what I've heard. I'll be honest with you. I would not be surprised to see Mako and Billy Van leave Saracens. I wouldn't. So I could see it happening. You look at the age profile, you look at the development of Saracens in terms of what they want to do. I would do everything personally to try and keep Mako and Billy. But what does everything mean in terms of money? 
and we know the issues that Saracens have had. Do they want to stay or do they want to go to France and get paid one point whatever million for the both of them or each, whatever they're valued at? And they'd suit France as well. So in, in that point comes, well, how do you fill that void? The baby rhino. I can see Mako leaving. I think Billy might stay. Just off the back of, obviously, Mako getting properly overlooked in the autumn. Madness. Yeah. And I know he's on holiday and you know, Bevan Rod at the weekend got hosed at scrum time by... Uh, Vincent Cock and all that stuff. Uh, obviously, Eddie is looking that way, isn't he? And I think Eddie's openly come out in the press and said, if you sign for a French club for next season, I ain't picking you in the Six Nations either because you then can't play the following season when you're based out in France anyway. So I reckon Mako might leave, but Billy might stay. What's happening with Eshi? AWOL. Where? Where is he? Uelo Ashi. And I did think with Denny Solomona leaving Sale and Alex Anderson being involved with Sale and Probably likes Ashy. I think he does like Ashy. We all like Ashy. He's a good bloke sometimes, apart from when he abuses you when he comes into training saying you look like a bag of sick. Apart from that, he's a good lad. But I don't know. Have you heard anything, Andrew? Where is he? Is he okay? I don't know, actually. I've, I've heard he's definitely out of the door at Worcester. As I said, it's not really I told you so, but I said it weeks ago, didn't I? And other people are mentioning it now. And I know they keep asking Jonathan Thomas in the press conferences Where's Chris Ashton? Is he available? And he's like, he's unavailable. And that's all I've got to say on the matter. So there's, there is a legal battle going on from what I hear. You know, there's been a fallout. I think they suspended him. There was a, a you know, a bit of a, a to-do in the at the training ground, all this stuff. And then Steve Diamond's gone to Worcester now. And if you rewind your minds back, Sale were doing pretty well. Steve Diamond was head coach. Ashy left Sale because he wanted to tell Steve Diamond how they should be playing. And we said it on air, didn't we? Why is a winger going to the head coach saying we need to play this way? And then he leaves, goes to Harlequin. So he's not playing for Worcester Warriors ever again, I don't think. And I think the other thing is, you know, people may say, go back to sale and all this stuff. Alex Sanderson, there's a bit of baggage that comes with Ashley. Don't get me wrong. He's a quality player, but he's got a lot of injuries as well. He's had quite a few injuries over the last sort of year, 18 months as well, when he's been at Worcester and he's got banned and all this stuff. So I think... It's a sad thing, but I think maybe his time might be. We might not see Chris Ashton on a rugby field again. I hope we do somewhere, but from what you understand, I think that may be that may be it for him. I do think it's harsh on Ashy, and we've obviously had a crack on here, and he did call me a bag of sick every day. But I just hope that he's all right. Do you know what I mean? Because it, it's going to have been a tough few years for him, young family, and he's a lovable rogue. And I love lovable rogues. And Ashley, I love you. Reach out to me, mate. I'm here for you. I don't know what I could do for you. I don't know if we can travel to England now. I don't know what's happening with lockdown and all this, but I'm here for you, Chris. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Right, well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, let's for a few bits of good this weekend. We're going to start off in the championship, though, James. I'm going to hit you with Doncaster, the mighty Donny, beat Ealing Trailblazers, Trailfinders, Trailblazers, 22 points to five at the weekend. Ealing, massive favourites to get promoted potentially to the Premiership next year. And Donny have just absolutely smashed them up in Doncaster. So, tip of the slipper to them. We'll go over to France now. Perpignan beat Claremont, 26-24. 
over in the top 14. And Bordeaux get a mention as well in the good this week. They absolutely spanked Racing away from home. 37 points to 14. Racing had all their stars playing. They had Vakatawa, Gail Fiku, Finn Russell, Curtly Bill. The names just kept coming. But oh, no, 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 no. Bordeaux absolutely dominated them. 31 unanswered points in the second half, including a Santi Cordero hat-trick. So uh, tip the slipper to Bordeaux. What else was good? We'll go over to Italy, James, and the URC. And specifically... Zebra. Not Zebra, mate. No, they were in South Africa. They got caught up in the whole COVID issue. But Leonardo Marin, uh, a case of deja vu against the Scottish team as he nailed a last gasp drop goal to beat Glasgow 19 points to 18. So uh, big tip of the slipper to him. London Irish are going to get a mention in the good this week. 22-19 victors at the Champions. Harlequins winning the West London derby. Gloucester, they're going to get a mention. Billy 12 trees as well. Yeah, mate, they play well. They play well. They beat Wasps 35-33, I think it was, in the end. That's all you needed convincing, isn't it? Once they beat Wasps, that, that's like the, the, the convincing. Ah, they can have you. a mention. Mate, they can have a mention in the goo this week. They don't win it, but they get a mention. Uh, Saints are going to get a mention as well. Uh, they dominated Bristol's towards the end of the game to win 36 points to 20, with a couple of lovely tries there as well. Ulster, get a mention in the goo. Very close to winning it, Ulster, this week. Well, if Ulster ain't won it, who, who the hell have won it? Ulster beat unbeaten Leinster for their first win in Dublin since 2013. But the good can only go to one place this weekend, James. I know where you're going with this. You're going hashtag always, aren't you? It's been a while. I ain't going hashtag always Edinburgh. I'm going to part of our old club, though, James Hamilton. Uh, we're both Leicester Tigers ex-players. It can only go to one man. Um, the amazing Sir, I'm going to call him so. He's not a Sir. Is he a Sir? Well, I don't think it matters. I mean, you get in our eyes, he is Sir. He's the king. Yeah, he is the king. So Kevin Sinfield, he ran 101 miles in 24 hours last week from Leicester to Leeds. He's raised over 1.5 million quid split between the MND Association and Leeds Hospitals Charity to charities that are obviously very close to his heart for Rob Burrow, his great friend. And also, uh, I know he's done a lot of work with the Leeds Hospitals Charities as well. So what an inspirational bloke. So, Kevin Sinfield, you win the good this week. You know, one thing I've thought about a challenge to do, Andrew, and I don't think you could do this. Sit on your sofa for 24 hours, no TV, no book, no music, and not fall asleep. All you've got to do is sit there for 24 hours. You can eat and drink. Could you do it, yes or no? Couldn't do it. Why? Watch bit. As soon as I sit on the sofa, I can fall asleep in about two minutes, mate. But that's the challenge. How heavy do your eyes get when you're just literally like, oh, I'm gone? I reckon if Pablo's there massaging your feet, you can do it. <laughs> I reckon sometimes I could sleep just stood up. I'm that tired at times. But I need Pablo to do more work, actually. Are you, are you up for the challenge then, James? I don't think I could do that. I need me sleep. <laughs> I just, yeah, I could do something else for 24 hours. But drink with the Marnie Nandolo, maybe that's what I could do. Anyway, let's go on to the bad. We'll start off with you, James Hamilton. Oh, God, what, what have we done now? Not you, but the game you're at. The Dragons, they've got to get a mention in the bad. They got hosed at home by Edinburgh, 30 points to 14, so not great from them. Racing get a mention in the bad. They got smashed at home by Bordeaux. Bristol's as well get a mention in the bad. Struggle City again, and their scrum got absolutely annihilated at times on Friday night. No Sinclair, no John Arfoa, and they basically had their heads shoved up their own asses trying to see what they had for lunch at scrum time. So Bristol's, not a good day at the office at set piece. But the bad this week goes to a combination of things but one thing in general so we had the cancellation of the barbars versus samoa game 
Rob Kearney was denied his swan song game for the Barbars and Joe Takori was supposed to play his last ever game for Samoa as well. That was taken away from both of those two guys. The URC games cancelled and Munster and Cardiff are stranded in South Africa at present, although Munster have just been given clearance to get back to Ireland. A lot of questions around what Cardiff can do. Scarlets have come back and they've got a 10-day isolation in Belfast. Loads of things going on, but basically the bad this week is just got to go to COVID and the Omicron. And basically, Jim, I'll, I'll blame you. So the bad this week goes to the COVID disruptions, the fact that all the games got cancelled and a couple of absolute legends missed their swan songs for the Barbars and for Samoa. Uh, and then the ugly, only one real ugly thing this weekend, Byron McGuigan. Uh, he always looks angry and plays like he's some big hard man trying to start a fight when no one can fight. In the olden days, Jim, you'd have just knocked him out, wouldn't you? Well, I reckon he could go. I reckon he had <laughs> He's got a full sleeve tattoo. He's got an... Um, I mean, you talk about fades... And a lid. That is a fade to be envious of. Anyway, it doesn't matter about a fade. It doesn't matter about a nice tat or whatever. You can't do it, pal. No, you can't. So uh, the ugly this week goes to the UFC body slam times two for Byron McGuigan and the justified red card he got given. Thanks, Goody. And Jim, you've got a shout out to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, I've got a big shout out to Spartans RFC. This is Sparta in Gloucester. They're on the lookout for new players. Since returning after COVID, they've been struggling for numbers and they've seen the likes of Phil Greening, Ryan Lamb, Dan Norton all come through their ranks. So if you're in the area, get involved and get in touch with them. And imagine that. Imagine being able to do this every game. This is Sparta. <laughs> Maybe I'll go and be captain. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well. Make sure you have subscribed on Spotify. Rugby spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. pod.